0: We're starting today called The Comeback. You've, you've probably seen it on social media. Uh, you've probably seen it printed and, and posted around the church. And, and w- this is a very exciting series for us. We think that it's important how we kick the year off and that we kick it off right and we kick it off with the right message. And so prayerfully, we've prepared this. And we believe that this is a series that is going gonna, is gonna to reach people and not only people outside the walls, but even people inside the walls. And and one important aspect of this series that we really want to capture this 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 year is you were you found this on the seat next to you. Everybody have one of these, my story. This is what I want you to do. I want to get a few announcements. I got a lot of announcements to make today, but I want to get this out the way real quick. We want you to take this home. Now, if you're an overachiever and you've already filled it out, well, praise God. Thank you for being an overachiever um we love you but we want you to we want you to go through this and we just want your story we believe that you should be able to tell your story in three minutes or less to anybody the bible says to always be ready to give the hope that's inside of you always be ready to explain this joy that you have you follow me so we want to give you an opportunity to do that so if you would take this home with you write your story on the back it's pretty self-explanatory um, and just bring that to church with you next week. So it's a twofold thing. I'm trying to get you back next week, and I'm trying to capture your story. See, there's nothing hidden here today, right? I'm always trying to get you back. So we're jumping into this series called the comeback, and and I think a lot of times when we hear a word like comeback or the comeback, we start thinking of maybe if you're an athletic person or you're a sports guy, you might start thinking of stories like, you know, like maybe some famous athlete who who was injured. And, and made this tremendous comeback. Maybe it was a track star that lost his leg and, and, and ended up winning gold in the Paralympics or something like that. But you think of this, these big stories when we think of comebacks of, of maybe somebody who, who got lost and ended up addicted to drugs and all kinds of other things. And then eventually found his way back. And we think, man, that's a comeback. And, and, but what I want us to not do today is to not overlook the, uh, the rest of the comebacks. Sometimes a comeback is simple, and it's in the form of a, of a person who's successful. And they've got everything going their way. And everything seems to be good. And what you can't see on the outside, there's something going on on the inside, and that person is is empty. and And even though they're not addicted to drugs, even though they haven't gone that far, they may still need a comeback. Are you with me? So my goal today is to bring everybody in, to this comeback series, because I believe that all of us need a comeback in some area or another. Amen. And so that's, that's what this series is going to be for the next four weeks. We're excited about it, uh, really looking forward to what God's going to do. We had a prophetic word at the end of last year about prodigals. And so the 21 days of prayer and fasting, by the way, that we're starting tomorrow morning is going to be focused and geared towards prodigals, those that are away from God that we want to seek come back to God. And so that's one of the main focuses. And so today, we're going to go to Luke chapter 15. I want you to turn there with me to Luke chapter 15. And I want to talk to you about some parables that Jesus was telling to some folks that he was sitting with. Uh, In Luke 15, he he gives three parables. The first parable is about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. One got lost, and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one lost. The second parable... Is, this, is a story about a woman with ten coins. One coin got lost, and she turned the house upside down to find the one coin. And then the third story is about a father who has two sons. And I think this story might be one of the most misunderstood stories in Scripture. Most of us think this story is about a son who wrecked his life with crazy living and got a second chance with God, but I think this story is a little bit more than that. I think this story is a little bit deeper than that. And I want to say to you, the more often I study this story, the more revelation I get from this story. That's why it's important to continue to read your Bible. Because it's living. Look at your neighbor and say, the Bible's alive. (laughs) You'll never know unless you start reading it. So Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, I'm going to read this story for you. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son, Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. You might not underline that. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I am, I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Isn't that cool? What a great story. If you're careful... Or if you're not careful, you'll focus on that story and you'll only see the part about the prodigal son. And you'll miss the whole point about the father. And we'll continue to read this story later on where it talks about the older son, the one that didn't leave. And if you're not careful, you'll focus on him and miss the father in the story. Here's the thing is is this is not just a story of the prodigal son, but because both sons got it wrong. The father in the story is the only one that got it right. Did you hear me? The father is the only one that got it right. Nobody else got it right. Go back with me to verse one and two. I want to show you who Jesus is talking to. The, in verse one, it says this of chapter 15. It says, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. So Jesus attracted some weird folks. He attracted some low lying people like tax collectors. If you work for the IRS, I'm not apologizing. And other notorious sinners. And often they came to listen to Jesus. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So the religious people got mad because Jesus was hanging out with the lost and dead people. You got to get this. So what Jesus, the reason Jesus starts to tell these three parables is because he's trying to get the religious folks to understand that it's not about the religious people. It's not about the live. It's not about the spiritually awakened. It's not about the saved. It's about the unsaved. And the point he's trying to get across is that we serve a God who is a finding God. Look at your neighbor and say, God found me. We serve a finding God, not a God that sits in some high and lofty place and waits for something to happen. We serve a finding God. And the point of the story is that even though the shepherd had 99, I mean, 100 sheep, when he lost one, 99 was not good enough. You know why that's important? Because the enemy wants to tell you that you're the one lost sheep that God doesn't care about. Oh, you're just you're just a little sheep. God's not worried about you. You just one and a bunch of others. He's not worried about you. The reason he told the story about the coin was that he wanted you to understand that God's going to turn the world upside down to find you. He's a finding God. We serve a finding God. Amen. We tend to think the story is about the first son. But it's not. The story is really about the father. And anytime we hear somebody's wild story about how they came back to God, we say, oh, well, you are a prodigal. Listen to me. You don't have to have a wild story to be a prodigal. You can attend church every Sunday and still be a prodigal. Mm. (laughs) Stepped on somebody's toes this morning. Yeah, but pastor, pastor, nothing. The story is about the father and his sons. The story is not just about the son being lost and then being found. It's about him being dead and then becoming alive. You know, in those days when a son would come to a father and ask for his inheritance before the father died, he was basically saying to the father that I hope you die soon so I can get mine and go. And when he did that, he was saying to the father, I hope you die soon so that I can go do what I want to do. I can go live my life. I'm tired of living under your rules. I'm tired of living under your leadership. That's what he was saying to the father. So what happens in that culture is is that the son becomes dead to the father. When a son would come and ask for his inheritance early, the father would give it to him and that son would become dead. The same as dead to the father. And so we know he goes off and he does this thing and he comes back. So the Bible's not about him being lost and then being found, even though that happened. It's really about him being dead and becoming alive again. Amen. So we all have a common comeback. Every one of us. Some of you are in the middle of your comeback. Some of you have already come back and you've got an incredible story. Some of you, your story's being written today. And for some of you, your story's gonna start today. Because maybe you didn't realize you needed a comeback. So, the first thing we see about our common comeback is there's a desired hope. So, number one, a desired hope. When you got married, you had hopes and dreams. When you had kids, you had hopes and dreams for them, right? I believe when God created the world and he put Adam and Eve in there, I believe that he had hopes and dreams to walk with them all the days of their life. God had hopes and dreams. He had plans. He had all these things that he was longing for. But you know how life is. Sometimes that doesn't work out. Sometimes we make bad decisions that mess the whole thing up. Amen. That's how you get astray is when you make bad decisions and you, and you take yourself from under God's leadership and you decide to lead yourself. <laughs> Sheep never do good without a shepherd. Right? So we have a desired hope. And we have this thing that we were longing for. Maybe you're sitting here today and you had dreams and you had ambitions and you had goals and you had desires that just haven't come to pass. Because something happened. Because something went wrong. Maybe because you made a bad decision. Maybe it was just bad luck. And because of that, you find yourself here today with some space between you and God. Some kind of distance between you and God. I want you to know something, that God still has a desired hope for you. He still has plans for you. He still has purpose for you. You may have given up on him, but he has not given up on you. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't gave up yet. The second thing we see is a rebel heart. Number two, a rebel heart. This younger son was deceived by sin. Every one of us today need a comeback because every one of us has a rebel heart. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah that all we like sheep have gone astray, every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on Jesus. All. Say all. all. We have all gone astray. We all have a rebel heart. Look at your neighbor and say, I know your rebel heart. Let me acting all religious in church, you've got a rebel heart. We can talk about it at the church if you want. But the funny thing is we all bend towards independence. We all have a struggle with God. We all have this thing that we want to do it our way and not God's way, right? I mean, is there anybody else in here besides me that doesn't like to be told what to do? Raise your hand. You're in church. Okay. 60% of you were honest. You didn't like the fact that I told you to raise your hand. That's the real problem. you got a rebel heart. As a rebel heart. The funny thing is the prodigal son thought he had a better plan than his dad did. And he pursued his plan. And I believe that's where we get in trouble when we begin to pursue our own plans. The third thing we see is the run. Number three, the run. That's when you think your plan's working and everything seems to be going smooth. You know, when the prodigal got his money from his dad, all of a sudden... He's got fame, fortune, and friends, right? You know what follows money, fun, and friends. It's hard to have fun when you're broke, right? You don't have any friends when you're broke. Come on, let's just be real this morning. He had friends. He had fun. He had everything going his way. Everything was going good. He was the talk of the town. When he walked into the bar, everybody knew his name. Right. All these things were going his way and he had fun. He was on this run and things were going good. And some of you are here today and you are going, man, pastor, I don't need this message. Everything's going fine. Everything's going good in my life. I make good money. My wife likes me. My kids even like me. The dog even likes me and my work is going good. My job is great. It's secure. I'm, I'm doing good. I don't need this message. Bull. All of us are on a run. And the run is fun, right? Because, I mean, everything's going your way. I love when the wind is in my back. Right? I love when things just work out and people say, oh, man, Jamie, you're good. (laughs) Feels good. Say it again. I love to get praises from people. I love when people want to hang out with me. We're all on a run. And some of you are remembering today your big run. Some of you had a big run. When I was studying this message, I was remembering different parts of my run. My run was my plan. You following this? It was my plan. It was my way of living and not God's way of living. And I remember when it was going my way, I thought it was going up the whole time. But what I quickly realized is it was heading downhill fast right? The prodigal was on a run. Everything was going his way. Everything was fine. Everything was good. He was popular. People liked him. Nobody was talking bad about him, at least not to his face. Nobody was mad at him. His reputation was good. Then all of a sudden at the end of the run, you hit a wall. Number four, the wall. I believe all of us have hit a wall or if not, you're going to soon hit a wall. Sorry to say that, but it's just true. You know what a wall is? A wall is the end of the run. Right? The prodigal's doing all this stuff. He's living it up. He's having a great time. All of a sudden, his wealth runs out. And not only that, a famine hits the land. You know the end of the run always stinks, right? Because it just seems to end all of a sudden. And it's never good. I mean, you just... Hit the wall. In a moment, he goes from being the life of the party to being the joke of the party. What's wrong, T-Boy? You're not buying today? Huh? You ain't got no money? Not hanging out with him anymore. And he finds himself in a desperate place when he hits this wall. And where he was once eating the finest foods, he's now eating with the pigs. Anybody ever eat with pigs before? I have. We every, every now and then we get I raise pigs. Every now and then we get some free bread products, and we feed it to the pigs. And so one day I go outside, and I see my son. He's feeding the pigs, and he's chewing on something. He asked me if I was going to talk about it in the day. I told him no, but I, this just came up. I'll apologize later. So he's back there, and he's chewing. I'm like, bro, what you eating? Man, Dad, these chocolate cakes, man, they're pretty good. I'm like, dude, that's for the pigs. What's wrong with you? That's old, man. You get sick. But, Dad, they're still fresh. They're still, I don't care. You don't eat that. I mean, that's wrong, right? I can't believe he did that. A couple hours later, that afternoon, I was out feeding the pigs. And a spirit of curiosity came over me. I had to see if my son was right. And them dang chocolate cakes look good. I cracked one open and I ate it. It was just one day old. You've eaten worse than that. But it's funny how sometimes when we hit the wall in life, it's like we're eating with the pigs. You go from being a hero to a zero. Right? You hit this wall and all of a sudden it stops and you start to realize some things that you're not all that in a bag of chips. The wall can be an indicator that you're at the end of your run. How many of you got that light in your car that tells you when you're about to run out of gas? Don't don't you aren't you grateful for that light? How many of you like that light? How many of you are like me? You like to see how far you can push that light. You know, the average car says you can go 30 miles once that light comes on. How many of you have run out of gas on the side of the road? Let's just be honest this morning. Come on. We're going to embarrass the flesh. That's it? You're the only ones that have run? Raise your hands. i got to see this. How many of you have actually run out of gas on the side of the road? You're getting honest by the minute. I ran out of gas a while back. I was pulling a tractor, and I had a trailer behind my truck, and I get half the good fuel mileage I don't normally get when I'm pulling a trailer. And I was leaving Eunice, heading to Crowley, and I had my light came on. I said, well, I got 30 miles. I'm like, I'll I'll, I'll make it. And I get between Eunice and Crowley on the back back road, and I run out of gas. So I'm on of the road. It's hot. No air conditioning. And I'm standing there, and then all these country folk come by. And everybody wants to help you. And I remember this one old lady, she come by, she goes, baby, you need some help? I said, no, ma'am, my wife's coming with some gas, but thank you. I've done that before. She said, I ran out of gas in my carport. (laughs) She didn't know how much that encouraged me. I had a smile on my face. I felt better by myself. I said, at least I was on the road. I wasn't in my carport, right? But we have that indicator. And man, if we don't listen to it, what happens? You start to run out of gas, right? And then you find yourself stranded, deserted, and broke down on the side of the road. I believe the wall is a form of grace from God. Because if it wasn't for some of the walls in your life, you would still be running. If it wasn't for the indications in your life that God placed in there, some of you would still be running. I would still be running. Right? So what's funny is when we hit a wall, we realize that we have messed up. We realize that our plan didn't work. So what do we normally do? Make another plan. Right? That's the next point. The plan. We make another plan. I'm going to fix this. Doggone it. If I got myself into this mess... I'm going to get myself out, right? That's how we act, and that's what we do. But what we don't realize is, is that we were so smart to make a plan to leave that we're not smart enough to make a plan to get back. Yeah. What we don't realize is that your plan got you in trouble, and your next plan is going to get you in more trouble. Look at your neighbor and say your plan's not going to work. The prodigal made a plan. He came up with a speech. He said this. He said, I'm going to go home to my father, and I'm going to become a hired servant because they eat better than the pigs. And I'm going to go over there, and I'm just going to humble myself. I'm going to eat crow and not have to eat pig food. And I'm going to go home and be a servant to my father. I'm going to tell him this. And he has his whole speech planned out. And he has a plan. I'm going to get out of this. Surely my dad will take me back. Verse 18 says, I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, father, I have sinned against both. He's given his plan. I've sinned to both against heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But there's a but right there. But the father rudely interrupts him. I mean, he's in the middle of his speech. He's in the middle of giving his plan. His daddy didn't let him finish. The father says, but his father said to the servants, quickly, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Go kill the fattened calf. In other words, kill the best piece of meat we got. My son has come home. But what about the plan? You see, the father didn't want to hear the plan. And I want to tell you something today. God don't care about your plan. He don't care about you. He don't even want to hear your plan. He interrupted him in the middle of his plan. He didn't even get it. He didn't get to apply for the job. If I said enough of that, I don't want to hear that stuff. This is how it's going to roll. Now, my question to you today is, what if this prodigal son gets his plan? What if the father gives him his plan? The most he ever becomes is a hired servant. Thank God he didn't give us our plan. Thank God he didn't answer our prayers sometimes. Right? You're crying out to be a servant and a slave. And he's going, oh, no, I got something better than that. Are you with me? What if he gets it? What if the father says, okay. What does that say about the father? Jesus is making a point that God's a finding God. What if he gets his plan? What if you got your plan? What would happen? If you got your plan. Number six, that brings us to this, this next point. It's called outrageous grace. Outrageous grace is not average grace, it's not even normal grace. It's the kind of grace that goes beyond anything we can understand. The Father had outrageous grace and He gave it to the Son when He said, I don't want to hear your plan. I'm going to put a robe on you, I'm going to put a ring on you, and I'm going to put sandals on you. And I'm going to kill the best piece of meat we got, and we're going to throw a parte Because my son was dead, and now he's alive. That's outrageous grace. The son didn't do anything to deserve it. The father just chose to give it. It's called outrageous grace. How many of you have experienced outrageous grace? undeserved forgiveness, undeserved favor, being brought back into a place that you didn't even deserve to be anymore. You see, the kind of God we serve, the God that we serve, his name is God, and he's the only one. His son is named Jesus, and he's the only one. And he's the kind of God that when he sees you coming back, he's not waiting, he's running. He's chasing you down. He's coming after. He's going to meet you in the parking lot. Amen? Amen? And not only is he going to do that, he's going to give you some outrageous grace. You see, the father didn't remind the son what he did wrong. He didn't rebuke him, correct him, or even instruct him. He just brought him back in. you got to get this. He just brought him back in. For some of you, that's hard to believe that God can just bring you back in. You know why? Because your parents didn't treat you like that. Or maybe some others that were over you didn't treat you like that. They made you work for grace. They made you work for forgiveness. They made you earn things. I just want to say to you this morning that that was wrong. And that was improper. Because we serve a God that gives us grace. Does that mean we don't suffer consequences? Heck yeah, we suffer consequences. But when we come to God and he calls us back, we get outrageous grace. You got to get this. The prodigal had done everything wrong that you can do wrong. He embarrassed the family, scarred the reputation of the family, basically spit in his father's face and said, I don't need you. I don't even want to be with you anymore. And some of you have lived your life like that very rebellious. not letting anyone get close to you. He gave us outrageous grace. And outrageous grace cannot be forced on you. It can only be received by you. You need to receive the outrageous grace of God this morning. It doesn't matter how big your story is. It doesn't matter how far you've drifted away. It doesn't matter what you've done or how you did it or what your reputation is. It doesn't matter what stage you're at today. All of us need to come back. All of us need to come back to God today in some way, shape, or form. And you just need to be willing to receive his grace. It's mind-blowing because when I blow it, I feel like i got to do something to earn it. And I can't. I've tried. And I almost kill myself trying to earn grace, trying to work myself back into forgiveness, trying to do something good so that God will love me again. And the whole time he's going, what the heck are you doing? I already love you. I already forgave you. What are you talking about? Are you with me this morning? Some of your actions and some of your plans aren't working because they're not intended to work. They're not ever going to work. You can't make a plan to come back to God because you're not that smart. You can't plan your forgiveness. You can't plan your grace. You can't plan these things. You're not that smart. Hump your neighbor say, you're just not that smart. Some of you have been wanting to say that for a long time. <laughs> what a way to start the year off. Here's the final point. Is he always has more. Love that part of the story. Well, the father interrupts him, he quickly, there's something about quickly you got to get this morning. Quickly. Why is it important for the father to be quick about putting the robe, the ring, and the sandals on his son? Why is it important to be quick? Because you have a full-time enemy that's trying to destroy you. You have a full-time enemy that's trying to keep you from coming back into God's family you got a full-time enemy that's throwing everything he has at you to keep you down. You see, when you hit the wall, he thought he had you. When you hit the wall, he thought he had you. And that's a very dangerous place to be because he just may get you. But we make plans and we try to come back on our own terms when all we have to do is turn around and say, God, I blew it. I blew it. Please forgive me. Please, Lord, please help me. I want to come home. Help me come home. Don't make a plan. Don't waste your time making a plan. I believe the devil helped him make that plan. Because if the son comes home and he only becomes a hired servant, he never lives up to the potential that God has for him. God doesn't get glory when you're a hired servant. He gets glory when you're a son or a daughter. And it's time to be a son and a daughter of God. Stop being a servant. A slave. The Bible's clear that you, you're brought into this undeserved relationship with God where you're now called friends of God. You're now a friend of God. That's undeserved privilege. If we can just wrap our minds around that and live under that kind of thinking, the world is going to be nothing to us. We will accomplish everything that we set out to do for God. We will never be told no when it's God's business. If we'll just wrap our mind around the fact that I'm His son, I'm His daughter, I can do what He wants me to do, and it's going to happen, it's going to be accomplished. Am I in the right church? Am I preaching the wrong message? The enemy sure wanted him to get what his plan was. But thank God the father had a better plan. Because the prodigal came home as a son and not a slave. And he lived the rest of his life as a son. You see, what he gave up in the beginning, the father gave it back to him in the end. And I believe that son had a whole different perspective about what it means to be a son. I bet he had an attitude change. I bet that was the best lesson he ever learned in his life. So what about the older son? He got his inheritance too, right? Meanwhile, while the party's going on, the older brother was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told your father has killed the fattened calf we're celebrating because of his safe return the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in his father came out and begged him but he replied all these years i've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to and in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends yet yet when your son When the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. You see, the problem with the older brother is, is he was the religious one in the whole group. He was the one that did everything right. He was the one that didn't run off with his daddy's money. He stayed home with his daddy's money. He did everything his daddy told him. He was a good little boy. And some of you were born a Christian. You were. You came out of your mama's womb and boop, you was a Christian. Got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost all at the same time. Prayed in baby tongues. Dad, 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 dad. Some of you just came up that way. And you never had this great, crazy story about losing it and then coming back to God. And I want to say to you, be careful not to be the older brother. Who had everything available to him, but never tapped into it. The Bible's clear at the beginning of this parable that that the father divided his wealth to his two sons. They both received what was intended for them to receive. He got it just like the prodigal got it. He got it. The problem is he never used it. He never tapped into it. And I believe some of us here today were born in the church and you've been living in the church. But your life isn't any better than the prodigal. Because you've never done anything with what God's given you. And let somebody who was drugged out, addicted and broke and everything else come to the church and get get filled with life and see incredible miracles happen in their life. Watch if you don't get jealous. You want to know if you're the older brother? When somebody gets saved and they get sanctified and they start living life, check your heart. You start having a tendency to murmur. <laughs> Look at Tim. I remember when they was walking the streets. I remember when they used to wear half their clothes. They think they all that. They ain't all that. I tell you, deep down inside, the they still rotten. I'm going to tell you something. Church people are mean. I'm not laughing. They're rootless and toothless. Neither son got it right. Only the father did. And the father comes to this. Just like with the younger son, the father comes to the older son and reestablishes him as a son. All that I have is yours. What are you upset about? Why are you not living up to the potential that God has for you? You see the comeback? He didn't mess up. He didn't blow it. He just wasn't living in it. Are you getting this this morning? Every one of us has a comeback. Every one of us needs to come back to God today in some way, shape, or form. Amen?